inspiration. I can do anything. Education. Let's do this. And application. Oh boy, this is going to be good. Welcome to Like It Matters Radio. Keeping us out of the water hazard with some truth therapy and teeing up solutions for today's big issues. Here's your life caddy, Mr. Scott B. Black. So welcome to the world of Mr. Black. Welcome to the world of Mr. Black. I am he, you are you, and the time is now for Like It Matters Radio. This is where we're living live, Like It Matters. And today, uh, men, I'm going to focus on you. You know, yesterday we had two incredible, powerful women uh, on the uh, radio. Uh, And again, it wasn't Woman's Day, and today's not Man's Day. It's just... The way things play out, you know, sometimes it's just coincidence. You know, it's just quinky dinky, we used to say, right? It's just coincidence. There's not a pattern. There's not a reason. It's just the way things fall. And so today, I'm going to be talking about boys to men. No, 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 no. I'm not going to be playing hip-hop, boy band music from the 90s. Nope, not my style. Maybe Josh would like to, but that's not what we're doing today. No, what I'm talking about is the crisis of testosterone in America. You know, it's strange, but, uh, you know, bubbles. You know, little bubbles, little carbonation is hard to come by. Since the pandemic, carbonation, the price and the availability of carbonation is going through the roof. Uh, it's, uh, it's hard to find, and uh, all things using carbonation go up. My little uh, flavored water maker uh, is hard to use because I don't have the ingredients I need. And, you know, in a way, that's kind of the same thing with the crisis going on testosterone. Uh, the testosterone out there has been outlawed, uh, and the, there's not a lot of it out there. You know, the cries of toxic masculinity and the attacks on the patriarchal past have have left many men dazed, many men confused. I mean, let's be honest. Why do you think so many men are wanting to be women? Why do you think so many men are taking over women's swimming? Why do you think? Because, uh, boy, outside of being a a, a white conservative Christian male uh, in this country, just being a male uh, is bad enough. And so what you're seeing is the consequences that confused boys grow up to be confused men. Uh, And today I'll be joined by a recent graduate of Team 238, and and we're going to discuss a simple concept that hurting boys to hurting men, instead of boys to men. Because I remember as a boy, you know, the question, what does it mean to be a man? What makes a man a man? I mean, and a lot of people are struggling with that question. A lot of boys, a lot of um, males are struggling. What does it mean to be a man? You know, it's easy if you're looking at a duck, right? If it walks like a duck and it quacks like a duck, it must be a duck, right? But what is it that makes a man and why is it important? And does it matter? Because we live in a, a country that there's been a, a war on men for about four decades. Now, it's cleverly hidden. I mean, you got to know your enemy. The, the Bible says to beware of the wiles of the enemy. Uh, and you got to know the tendencies of your enemy. Uh, and so you got to realize that the war on men has been hidden because one of the parties out there every two years uh, believes wants you to believe that there's a war on women. Uh, because we can't slaughter more babies in the womb, uh, somehow we hate women. 
I, I mean, it's just ridiculous, but some people believe what some people believe, and we don't think for ourselves. And that's part of the reason why I do this radio show. Uh, part of the one of my three outcomes, inspiration, education, and application. In other words, I want to move you to do something better. Uh, I want to give you something to do today that will make you better. And when I say educate, it's not to make you smarter, per se. You know, Albert Einstein you said the definition of education is not is not not the learning of mere figures and facts but it is the training of the mind to think and i gotta tell you we are more educated than ever i mean if you look right now at the black community i think the black community is more educated than it's ever been i mean i I meet so many people who've been in college for 10 years it was all paid for they get to the nicest colleges in the world it's all paid for uh because of their skin color uh and they go on and they get degrees and master's degrees and phds and their doctorates they get all this education a lot of it's free a lot of stuff i could never go to could never afford could never get to and yet i would suggest that today the black community is worse off than when it was when Dr. Martin Luther King marched in the streets, when Dr. Martin Luther King was slain. Uh, I would say that today uh, the black community is worse off than was what it was back then. And I'm going to suggest that men and the image of men, whether you're talking about the founding fathers, how we're ripping out statues. I mean, they wanted to change John Wayne Airport because John Wayne was too masculine. You know, the Marlboro Man, against cigarettes, bad, I get it, I get it. But that's the, the look of testosterone, Westerns. Not a lot of Westerns going on. There was, that was testosterone, uh, right? And, of course, Donald Trump, you, you couldn't get a more testosterone-driven man than Donald Trump. The antithesis uh, of a, um, a Barack Obama, a very effeminate male, very effeminate. And then you got, uh, you know, Joe Biden, who's mentally unconscious, but yet is got, you know, the beginnings of uh, what I think is a disease because he's angry all the time. So I, I think if there's a picture of toxic masculinity it would be in our, our president we have right now because he's trashing everybody. He's one of the, I can't believe we have such a racist in the White House, but that's not today's show. Today, I want to talk about the absence of fathers. See, when we grow up. Having a family in place is really important. Fatherless homes. Let me give you some stats. In 1960, in 1960, a little more than 5.5 million children lived in single-family homes. You believe that? I was born in 65. Today, at the time of writing this, was about six years ago, 22 million uh, uh, children lived in single-family households. And by the way... Uh, now, today, uh, actually from 2012, I got the latest stats from 2012. So the stats I gave before were from 2008 or 2006 or something like that. But the stats from 2012, ready for this? 25 million children lived in a single family household. And then you start adding that with the abortion rate. You start adding that to by the time a child is 17 year old, years old, they've seen 70,000 acts of violence, rape, murder, beheadings. And so consider this, almost every social ill in society is related to breakdown of family and absence of masculine leadership. Consider these stats. Fatherless children are up to 200% more likely to have emotional behavioral issues. 68% more likely to use drugs and alcohol. Far more likely to become sexually active at a younger age. Three times more likely to commit a violent crime. 63% of teenagers who attempted uh, suicide are from fatherless homes. 71% of high school 
dropouts are from fatherless homes. 90% of all homeless and runaway kids are from fatherless homes. 80% of all youths in prison are from fatherless homes. Sons growing up without fathers are 300% more likely. Did you hear that? 300% more likely to become incarcerated. Daughters growing up without fathers have a 92% higher divorce rate. 80% of teenagers admitted to psychiatric hospitals or care centers from fatherless homes. And now here's the problem. And then you got the homes that do have fathers in them that they're so messed up. They're so angry, so bitter, like someone like me. My biological father, I don't know who he was. He died and really wasn't interested in who my sperm donor was. But the the man that my mother married, uh, who became known as my dad, uh, who was not biologically connected to me, uh, was alcoholic and abusive. So he beat on my mom, he beat on us. I mean, it was terrible. And so not now, an estimated 25 million children live absent their biological fathers. Of students in grades 1 through 12, ready for this, 39% live in homes absent their biological fathers. Ready for this? 58% of black children, 31% of Hispanic children, and 20 of white children are living absent their biological fathers. And what you won't see on here is Asians because Asians are the lowest. I don't know why it's not on here, but it's in the low 10 teens, 10, 11, 12%. According to 72.2% of the U.S. population, fatherlessness is the most significant family or social problem facing America. And so today we're going to talk about boys to men. And boy, if we don't fix those boys, they become hurting men. And you know what hurting men do? They hurt other people. I'm Black. We'll be right back. Leadership Awakening impacts even the seasoned pros. Take a listen to these comments from Kevin, who recently attended Leadership Awakening. I've struggled with a lot of things. I've been in so many different trainings, followed Tony Robbins, John Maxwell, all these great self-development gurus, but I have never went through a training as difficult and as intense as that 48 hours that we went through. What we went through was absolutely amazing, and I'd love to share it with as many people as I could. I kept being told on how intense this training was going to be, that it was going to be difficult. And I mean, I've walked on hot fire. I've broken arrows. I've walked on glass. I've done so many things. I thought, how hard could this be? Well, the number one thing that I gained from Leadership Awakening was another level of awareness. If you're ready to go to another level of awareness, go to likeitmatters.net. Just click on Schedule to register for the next Leadership Awakening class near you. That's likeitmatters.net. Welcome back to Like It Matters Radio. Radio, Like It Matters, inspiration, education, and application. And we're all about getting better here. We're all about being under construction. We're going to be a little bit better today than yesterday, a little bit better tomorrow than today. And as a leader, we are called to question ourselves. Are we doing the right thing, but aren't not just doing the right thing, but are we doing it for the right reason? Do we have a vision? Do we know how things work out in the future? You know, there's a great book by Steve Farrar called Standing Tall. And he goes on to say that with every major social problem in America, somewhere and in some way, a father has failed to give leadership to his family. That's the root cause of every pressing social issue in this country. The deterioration of our culture has accelerated dramatically because fathers who are willing to lead are in the minority. 
And that's the lowest common denominator. Daniel Patrick Moynihan, if you remember, he was a, a senator. Uh, but in 1965, the year I was born, there's a quote from a, a government research they did. He said, quote, from the wild Irish slums of the 19th century, eastern seaboard to the riot-torn suburbs of Los Angeles, there's one unmistakable lesson in American history, a community that allows a large number of young men and women to grow up in broken families dominated by women, never acquiring any stable relationship to male authority, never acquiring any set of rational expectations about the future. That community asks for and gets chaos. And he goes on to say chaos. The, that word accurately describes what is coming in our country because of the breakdown of male leadership. When authority breaks down first in the home and then consequently in the nation, chaos is the inevitable and frightening result. Now, here's the problem. This book was written 20 years ago. So it's not written today in the chaos. But what happens now is I get people in my training who want to be good, who want to be great, who want to move beyond the past, who want to fix the ills uh, of their fathers or mothers, who want to be better than they were raised. But because of the programming, because of the map of reality, because of the pain and the belief systems created from that pain, it makes it more difficult. But not impossible, just more difficult. And uh, I'm so pleased because, uh, you know, I get to meet a new group of people every three weeks and get to walk with them. Some uh, I walk closer with afterwards because of their choices. Some I have in the class and then never really connect with again. Uh, but this next gentleman is a man who I know God put, brought us together, uh, a man who was brought to me by a friend of mine who went through my training 20 years ago. Uh, my friend mentors this young man. Uh, and, uh, man, he uh, came into my class and uh, had an incredible experience, and I would like him to share that experience because. It goes into what we're talking about, about the role of men. And so let's go to our phone lines and let's go to phone line number one and let's welcome Aaron to Like It Matters Radio. How you doing, Aaron? I'm doing great. How are you doing today, Scott? Uh, you know, I'm in the hands of God, brother, just like you. So uh, so uh, you just finished with Team 238 uh, about, about 10 days ago. Uh, great group of people, wasn't it, Aaron? Oh, yeah. They were, everybody was wonderful. Yeah, you had nine men, including yourself, and one woman. Uh, so uh, it was a ten, per class of ten. And, and those men in there, I mean, uh, in 48 hours, uh, how close did you get to those men, Aaron? Closer, uh, honestly, closer than I had been to really anybody else in my life. Yeah, in 48 hours. Isn't that incredible? Phenomenal. Yeah. So real quick, real quick, uh, how did you come to meet me, Scott Black, and how did you wind up outside my hotel meeting room on Thursday? How how'd you get there? Uh, well, um, as, like you were saying, I've, one of my mentor went through your class about 20 years ago, um, and he and I were talking a few months back, and I was going kind of through a rough time, and I realized that I just needed I needed to change how I was living and how I was treating uh, relationships and things, but I didn't really know how because I had never been given a, a solid like a, a solid example. So he was telling me that I should go to that class, and he, like I think it was two weeks before, maybe even a week before, he told me that this class is coming up. There's no better time than the present, so let's go. So now, and so you got there. Yeah. So now you were already looking for something. So uh, one thing I learned a long time ago, we never do anything just cause, you know, human beings are not believers in the cause philosophy, even though that's what we say. Why'd you do that? Cause, cause what? 
I don't know. <laughs> but there's always a reason for everything we do. We're, we're motivated creatures. We're either moving towards something or we're moving away from something. You know that. It's called neurosocial conditioning. Is the base drivers in everybody's life. You're either running from something or you're running to something. And I don't know which one's better because both are great motivators. So what was pushing you? What was going on in your life that said, I need something. I need to change. Uh the girl that I thought I was going to marry moved out of my house because of the way I was treating her. Wow. That was a wake up call. A big wake up call, right? Yeah. 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 How long how long have you guys been together? Uh two and a half years. And this was the woman, if y'all heard, ladies and gentlemen, this is a woman he planned on spending his whole life with, right? Right, Aaron? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And t- t- tell me about this girl. What what stirs you up about her? What do you what do you love about her? Um, she holds me accountable. She pushes me. Um, she makes, she always makes sure that I'm, she tries to make sure that I'm making decisions logically with a little bit of emotion at the same time. So I'm not just looking at everything black and white. Um, she makes, honestly, she makes me a much better person when she's around. I'm nicer. Um, I'm not so cold to people. Yeah, and that's the I mean, old you. What he's talking about is the old Aaron before he came to my class. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but and let me and let so, me ask you something, Aaron. So let me ask you this: this is important. So why do you think you're doing those things? Why do you think before you got to my class you were cold? Why do you think before you got to my class that you were kind of emotionless, kind of shut down emotion? What do you think created that that version of uh, Aaron that was no longer acceptable to you? Um. I didn't trust anybody at all. Um, and I didn't, I didn't let anybody trust me. Uh, I pushed people away. Um, and I just, you know, I just, I, it all honestly boils down to, I just didn't trust anybody. I didn't trust yep. anything that came out of anybody's mouth. So, so let me ask you a question. So why? So undoubtedly you didn't come to this. Uh, how old are you, Aaron? 27, turn 28 next month. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, congr- me too. October 8th. When do you turn 27? Uh, at the end, I guess it'll be November 2nd, so it's not next month. But okay, November 2nd. Again, November 2nd. So I'm 30 years older than you. Now, I don't I don't feel 30 years older than you, brother. I don't. I mean, I, I turned 57 October 8th, and uh, I don't know what 57 is supposed to feel like and look like, but it... It ain't what I'm feeling and looking like. So it's a weird thing. But so the reason I bring this up is we never do anything because we're creatures of habit, right? We know that. We we only use 3 to 5% of our brain consciously. The rest is unconscious. And so by the time a child is six years old, a majority of their map of reality is in place. So you have a history. You have a reason why you don't trust people. I mean, there has to be data. So what was the data through your younger life that told you that you could not trust people? How would you come to that belief system? Um, so I was raised by a single mother, um, and she would tell me that she would do this or she would do that. Um, and she never followed through with anything she ever told me. So from a very young age, I just started to, uh, when people would tell me, oh, I'm going to do this for you, or we are going to do this. I just automatically, automatically was like, okay, so you say that, but that's not actually going to happen. Um, and I mean, I, I was thinking like that for as long as I can remember. I mean, even down to four or five years old. Well, that's what I was wondering. When was the first time you remember thinking that, that she doesn't mean that, or when someone says something nice to you, that there's, it's not real? When was it? So you're saying like four years old, first time you remember actually feeling that, saying that to yourself? 
Yeah, there was, uh, I don't remember what movie it was, but there was a movie that came out, and I really wanted to see it. I think it may have been Lilo and Stitch, the first one. Um, I love that movie. And, like, I, I, <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I saw a commercial, and I was really excited. I really, really wanted to go see it. And she, t- my mom told me that we could go see it. And I remember my first thought being, no, we're not. We're not going to go see that. Wow. You're just telling me that to make me shut up. Wow, you were that's so powerful. Now you're 26 years old, and that was when you're like four years old. Yeah. Oh my God. So think about this is powerful. This isn't for your benefit. This is for the listener's benefit. This is what happens. Remember, I talk about this. By the time a child is six years old, a majority of their map of reality is in place. In other words, we connect dots. You know, it's called uh, uh, um, logotherapy. We, uh, we have a will to meaning. And so, as little kids, when you have some, you'll see this when they're two, three, four years old, when they're just learning to talk, well, they'll always ask you, why, daddy? Why, Daddy, is that happen? Why, Daddy, did he say that to her? Why, Daddy, are, is that happening? Why, Daddy, did that? Did she do that to him? All those things. What we're doing is we're connecting dots. We're actually creating belief systems. And that belief system becomes the structure of everything else we do. Everything we do or do not do is driven by a belief system. And so here at four years old, you're already constantly aware of a belief system. Now, that's affecting you in many ways because now all authority you don't trust. So your teachers tell you good things. What type of a student were you? Um, I wasn't a great student. Um, I, eh, I I just I had a hard time turning work in. Like I always did well in class, but I, ne- I never did my homework. Like if you sent me home with paperwork to do, I never did it. Um, because you had no supervision, you had no guidance, you had no no structure, right? Yeah, and like for example, uh, when when my dad came back into my life and I started going to his house for visitation. When I had homework, I knew that those nights I would get my homework done. And it wasn't a big deal. I would, do, I would just do my homework because my dad made me do my homework. So you knew that when you were dad's, the homework was going to be done. Yeah. No yeah, because you, that's that's the rule. That's the law. Uh, and so we're getting ready to go to a hard break. But this is my point. I mean, I'm laying down a structure. And, Aaron, I appreciate you being with me. Aaron actually went home from work so he could be a quiet place so he could talk to us. And that shows you also what kind of a great employee is because he wants to do a g- great job. He wants to, uh, to his word to be his bond. He wants to give great quality stuff. So what you're seeing is now the true Aaron emerging over the old programmed Aaron. And Aaron, stay with us. We're we're going to go to break. Stay with us. We'll be back in three minutes. I'm talking with a recent graduate of Leadership Awakening, Aaron, and we're talking about boys to men. We'll be right back after these commercial breaks. Here's a real student testimonial from Like It Matters Leadership Awakening Training. The way we met Scott was through an answered prayer. We had a, uh, a business associate who recommended a leadership training process. Initially, you know, I had been through uh, just a series of all kinds of leadership training and felt like I had been trained as much as I possibly could. You know, we went and went hesitantly. But the one thing, it would have to be consistent with my faith. And uh, it was your awakening class. And uh, that class was absolutely not only uh, the the answer to prayers, uh, business, but personally. It gave us the tools and it gave us the foundation to be able to really formalize and verbalize our values. Leadership Awakening is coming to a location near you. 
Details at likeitmatters.net. That's likeitmatters.net. Welcome back to Like It Matters Radio. Radio, Like It Matters, inspiration, education, and application. Today, we're talking to a recent grad of Team 238, a brother in Christ, a friend of mine. Uh, his name's Aaron. Aaron, again, thank you so much uh, for joining us. And uh, I know you're busy, man. I appreciate your time. And so, let me ask so you, you're a single mom. And by the way, let me tell you that your mom did the best job she could with what she had. Uh, it is hard being a single parent. I don't care if you're a mom or a dad. I was a single parent for a while. Uh, and your mom did the best that she could with what she had. See, here's the problem, Aaron. We begat. Uh, if you plant an apple tree, it produces another apple tree through seeds. If you plant a pear tree, it produces fruit of a pear and seeds in that pear that will allow you to plant them and you'll produce a similar type plant. And that's the begatting thing. See, usually abusers begat abusers, molesters begat molesters, addicts begat addicts. Uh, people who molest somebody were normally, usually molested by somebody. And most people are molested by someone they know. And so, uh, you know, we don't have to do that though. My dad was abusive, my dad was an alcoholic, my dad was uh, addicted to pornography. Um, I, I've never struggled with alcohol. If I never had another drink, that's okay. Uh, I used to be a rageaholic. I was able to change that, I've worked on it. I'm, I'm far better than I ever was. Uh, and um, I used to struggle with pornography, uh, three decades. Uh, I'm not proud of it, just factual. Uh, and now I don't. So that's what's cool about my training. I show you how to scratch those CDs, how to break those LPs, how to pull on those tapes because then homie don't play that uh, and so you had a lot of hurt a lot of pain and is it is it easy to say is it fair to say not easy apologize is it fair to say that there's some abuse in your past as well yeah yeah okay was it um, from was it from father was it from men that your mother had around um, it was from my mother and one of my older brothers okay so it was from familia yeah. Which makes it worse, which makes it even worse. You know, it's one thing for a stranger or somebody uh, who's brought in the home who shouldn't be in the home to abuse us. But boy, when it's our, our family. And again, I understand, you know, you know, when Jesus walked this planet, he was uh, talking in a home and he was telling people he was God and that kind of ticked people off. And so someone went out to go tell his mom, hey, Mary, you better get Jesus out of here because he, he's telling people he's God. And so the Bible says there's a knock on the door uh, and someone comes to Jesus, and says your mother and your brother are here for you. And Jesus says, who is my mother? Who is my brother? But he or she who does the will of my father, that is my mother. That is my brother. I have never had a close family. I've separated from my family for decades, uh, reunited with them. Uh, I buried my mom and dad about eight, nine months apart, about two years ago. Uh, and I have four brothers and sisters, one brother, three sisters, all live in Vegas. And I have absolutely no relationship. I have no animosity. Uh, have no bitterness. There's nothing, uh, but they uh, we have nothing in common. I'm the only Christian. Uh, we don't see life the same way. We've never shared space together outside of our childhood, and so not not wrong, not right, not good or bad. But Aaron, you're my brother. Uh, Aaron, I'm your brother. And so, um, you know, your mom uh, probably had a lot of frustration, right? Does your mom work a job or two? Uh, yeah, um, pretty much most of my most of my childhood, she worked. Uh, she was a social worker during the day, and then she would go teach uh, psychology and sociology classes at a community college in the evening. So I didn't really see a whole lot of her um, during the school year. 
But when she does, when she got mad, but she got frustrated with you and all that, that's where the abuse came from? Yeah, yeah. 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 And you know what it is? It's stuff, 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 snap. Stuff, 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 snap. And so you learned not to trust people. And so it's probably caused a lot of damage in your early 20s, right? And so you had a lot of anger. Is that fair to say when you were younger? Yeah. Yes. And so, and the military, you said you joined the military pretty young. Tell me about that, and that seemed to help you. What What was the military's role for you? Uh, I was looking for um, to be part of something bigger than myself, and to, uh, I was really looking for a family or brotherhood or yeah. camaraderie, really. And so you joined the military. And it cleaned you up a lot, too, right? You got a lot of your emotion. You dealt with some of your anger, right? You said that to me, correct? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So, but now you notice that now this stuff being closed off, not trusting, closing your heart off, not trusting people was causing you a lot of pain is basically recreating some things because now you're in a, a relationship that you want to marry this woman and now she doesn't want anything to do with you because you've been distant, you've been closed off. And so now this, this drama, this trauma said, I need, I need to change uh, before it's too late. And so that's when Bill brought you to me. Uh, and Thursday night when the whole thing got started, uh, what were you thinking, Aaron? Were, were you thinking this is good, this is bad? Were you thinking, oh, here's another guy? I mean, your mom was a, uh, a social worker. Your mom was a psychologist. And here's this guy up here, Mr. Black, talking psychology, kind of like the role almost of a social worker, but in a different way. So you had to have some trust issues with me, right? Here's this guy spouting all this crap. I mean, what was going on in your head five minutes into the training when we began? What did I just get myself into? Is my was just ran through my head over and over yeah. and over. Yeah, I I bring it, don't I? I? Put some pressure on you pretty quick, right? Yeah, very quick. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So he's saying it with a smile because he knows what I'm talking about. Uh, and it's not to be mean. You know that. I, I put pressure on you because oh, yeah. I got two days to change your life. Uh, and we got to pop those zits. I use that analogy, right? When you you got a zit that's formed, you got to squeeze the base of it. It hurts. You, you're putting pressure on it so you can get the us out of there, getting the toxins out of there, and now you realize that that's what I was doing, but but at some point, in the, sh the shift took place. At some point, you started getting into it. At some point, you started trusting me. At some point, you realized that there could be something good here. Where did that shift take place for you? Um, really? Um, the I started to respect you early on, and I was telling myself I needed to start trusting you because I respected you. Um, but the, the really big shift was, um, when we did the, the five people on the outside, five people on the inside, oh, when we did the yeah. like three minute embrace thing. Oh uh, yeah. Intense, intense. Yeah. Yeah. Now that, that like that, just that tore down so many walls and it helped me break through so much stuff. Mm. And like, but, but when we turned the lights back on, I was yeah. in a, a different completely person. different mindset. Yeah, you were. Yeah. I see it. You had the first time I started sensing a peace in you. And and even though there was some trauma going on, a little drama going on that was some misconstrued stuff, things happen in the fire and they're not always pretty and some, you know, so we don't need to go through all that. But you still had all that going on and yet you were still a different person. You were still had a piece about you. You still with all that, that should show you how real it was because we've been pushing on those walls for a day and a half, pushing on them, pushing on them, squeezing you and all that. And then all that emotion, all that trust, when you looked into the soul of another person and I said, 
that this is a living, breathing human being. This person has dreams and desires. They want to love and be loved just like you do. Uh, man, when you can see people in your own light, see people with their, your own struggles, see people with their your own pain and see them that way, it sure does change things, doesn't it? It does. It does. Oh, that's so cool. What do you think right now, uh, Aaron, if you had to pinpoint something, what's the biggest takeaway that you feel have you gotten so far from two and a half days in the Leadership Awakening experience? Uh, I gained a lot of confidence and a lot of self-worth. A lot of it. And focus, and focus. I learned how to focus. And that has helped me so immensely over the last 10 days back at work. Oh, it's huge. And what, what have people noticed about you? What have people, has anybody said anything to you? What, what have they noticed about you? Um, I speak clearer, um, when, when I have a problem or if I, I communicate much, much better. Um, my temper is a lot longer. I don't even really have much of a temper anymore. Um, yeah. Um, my, my best friend told me that, um, this is the, what did he say? The calmest that he has ever seen me. And he's known me for I lived with him for five years. So, I mean, he knows me. Wow. And the calmness. And see, that's the word I got for you, peace. Um, And that's what most people are looking for. They don't know it. A peace that surpasses all understanding. And justice isn't going to bring you peace because peace isn't external. See, if justice could bring you no justice, no peace, if the outside world could bring you peace, we'd all be peaceful. But here's the problem. The outside world can't bring you peace because between the stimulus and the response, there's a space. And in that space is our power and our freedom because the greatest impact on us is our environment. We're a community of 300 trillion cells, all driven by our environment. And the greatest environment is in our head because we live there all the time. We sleep with ourselves. We wake up with ourselves. We go through the day with ourselves. We process in trauma and drama with ourselves. But the big question is, how is that peace, how is that changing you translated into your relationship with your girlfriend? How are things going with your girlfriend since you've been back? Um, wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. Uh, we, uh, we spent some time apart. Uh, we didn't talk for like six months. Um, and she came back into my life about three days before the class. Oh, wow. Um, and... So I didn't. I spent a little bit of time with her before the class, and then after the class, um, we our relationship has never been stronger. It's uh, she tells me that I, I I communicate better. Um, she can tell that I have more emotions than just angry and sad. Um, I'm actually when when I tell her I'm going to do something, I I make sure that I do it. Um, she and she's just she says that I'm the the man that she met two and a half years ago, three years ago. Wow. Now. And but two and a half, three years ago, you were putting on a face. You were putting on a front. And now what she's getting is yeah. a real you. What are you hopeful about, Aaron? We got about a minute left. What are you hopeful about as you move forward? Um, really just to build a really tight relationship with her um, and then uh, eventually get married, have some kids, um, and build a really great relationship with my kids and raise them in a stable, safe home. That's, Amen. That's to be the, like my life home. To be the father that you never had, correct? Yes. Yeah. And to be create the family life that you never had, correct? Yes. Yes. 
Yeah. And you know you got Bill Jander walking with you. You know you got Scott Black. And more importantly, you recommitted your life to Christ. So you got God walking with you. So I appreciate your time, yes, brother. Sir. I'm excited to see what God's going to do with us together. So thanks for joining us. God bless you. Have a great day, okay? You too, Scott. All right, buddy. Talk to you soon. I am Black, and then I'll be right back. Give me 48 hours, and I will give you a new beginning. Give me 48 hours, and I will give you hope. Give me 48 hours, and I will give you your power back. Because between the stimulus and the response, there is a space. And in that space is your freedom. It is your power. At Like It Matters Leadership Awakening, 48 hours will change the course of your life. Discover the very purpose of your life, along with the ability to achieve. Give Mr. Black 48 hours in the next Leadership Awakening. Sign up at likeitmatters.net slash schedule. Welcome back to Like It Matters Radio. Radio, Like It Matters, inspiration, education, and application. And yes, I love hearing from our, our listening audience. Uh, you can email me at mr.black at likeitmatters.net, M-R period, B-L-A-C-K at likeitmatters.net. Uh, uh, yeah, a lot of people uh, text me during the radio show. You know, I'm on the radio. You know that, right? <laughs> but uh, you'd asked about our upcoming classes. I have a class October. October 13th through 15th in Las Vegas. I have a class November 10th through 12th in Dallas. And then our last class of the year, December 1 through 3 uh, in um, Twin Cities of Minneapolis, St. Paul. That'll be our last class of the year. So we got three opportunities. I uh, can guarantee you a changed life. Uh, you know, you got to go back and revisit your BS. Your belief systems. Remember, by the time a child is six years old, the majority of their map of reality is already in place. And the problem is we created a map of reality that got us through our, our young adult life, our, our family of origin, those times that we had no choices. You know, when I told people I, I grew up in Las Vegas, and I had people ask me this every once in a while, what brought you to Vegas? And I like scratched my head. I go, my mom and my dad. I was a kid. I was five, six years old. What brought me to Vegas? I had a business opportunity. I had a showgirl I was uh, Facebooking and thought I'd start, start up a relationship with. I have a gambling habit and thought I'd being in Vegas, I could win back some of my money at five years old. I mean, <laughs> what brought me to Vegas? What brings us to what we become when we're young is our parents. However, they treat us. They help create our belief systems, how mom and dad have people around us and what those people do to us. See, by the time a child is five years old, six years old, a majority of their map reality is in place. And here's the problem. As you hear with a lot of people, because we've got so many parents out there wanting to get their nut, everybody's struggling on their own. Parents are struggling with their own family of origin issues. Parents are struggling with financial issues. Parents are struggling with addictions, whether it be uh, methamphetamines or marijuana or pornography or promiscuity. And so you got people that are working to live their life, and then they brought kids in their life. I mean, let's be honest. A lot of people think they have to take care of the kids. I have to take care of my kids. I have to go to work. Think about your words. Are the important things in life that you get to do, do you see them as a burden? Do you have to take care of your kids? Do you have to go to work? Or do you get to take care of your kids? Or do you get to go to work? Let's be honest. How many people would love to have children that couldn't, that can't? You have to have kids? How many people had kids that never should have? You have to take care of your kids or you get to take care of your kids? You have to go to work? 
And some of you have some great job. You got benefits. You got a 401k. You got paid time off. I, one of my friends in Minneapolis, Trevor, he, he gets paid t- PTO, they call it, paid time off. And like he gets paid for his staff in my training. I'm like, oh my gosh, I've never been paid for a day at work. My retirement package is called Rapture. I have no 401k. I have no savings. I have no health insurance. You have to go to work or you get to go to work. And see, that's where you can tell what's going on in a lot of people's experience. Nobody can read anybody else's mind. But what happens is our internal map of reality, what's going on, our internal structure of our beliefs, expresses itself externally by things that people can pick up on, things that people can see, things that people can hear, things that people can sense. And so our words, our gestures, our emotion, our physiology, all are, go- are, are programmed at the unconscious level. And so if you're fully present and you're aware, then you can see what's going on in someone's experience. It's called meta. You just met it backwards. What would need to be going on in someone's belief system that thought it was okay to do what they did? And one thing I've learned dealing with tens of thousands of people at a deep, intimate, open heart, open mind level is that there's a low trust out there. There's a no trust that people won't let people in. Why? Because they just do damage. They just take advantage. They just eventually going to walk away. They lie to you. I mean, here's Aaron at four years old having the self-talk about, hey, mom said I, we're going to go see Lilo and Stitch. And he knew at four years old. He's not even five yet. He remembers at four years old saying to himself, oh, she's lying. We're not going to go. She says stuff all the time just to shut me up. And so now teachers, they're not telling the truth. They just saying stuff to shut me up. And then boyfriends and girlfriends or administrators or police officers, they're not telling the truth. They're just saying things that shut us up. See, we are creatures of habit. Remember, the reason we miscommunicate so well is we have three filters, deletions, distortions, and generalizations. Deletions, distortions, and generalizations. See, that's why we miscommunicate so well. Because if we didn't have filters, we would have autism. Because there's so much data. I think I told you, like 34 gigabytes of information go through our heads every day. We have 30 to 60,000 thoughts per day. The internet, the news media, we're being inundated with pictures and stimulus that we cannot process. And a lot of people go through life because their parents are so busy wanting to get their own life. Parents are so busy wanting to keep up with the Joneses. They work two and three jobs. They, they take money they don't have to buy stuff they don't need, they might want it, but they don't need it, to keep up with people they don't like. That's the world we live in. And now in social media and all that, we go along with the flow, we go along with what everybody else says, even when we don't agree with it. Why? Because we want to fit in. A wall that every single human being has is wanting to be liked. And a lot of us as kids, we learn that we're not enough, that people can't be trusted, that people that are supposed to be helping us hurt us, that people that are supposed to be there are ball games or this, that, they're not there. That's not for everybody. But can I tell you, I feel comfortable saying that's, this, that's what it is for three quarters of people. And that's just a number I picked out of air. Remember what they say about stats. 80% of all stats are made up. Either rim shot or a laughter track there, right? <laughs> because I just made that up. But you know what they say. And whenever you say you know what they say, people automatically take it as truth. But people know you're being lied to. And now we have a media that lies to us openly. 
the media tells us January 6th was the worst thing to ever happen. Worse than Pearl Harbor. Worse than, uh, you know, September 1st. We all know that's a lie. We all know it's a lie uh, that the FBI uh, didn't spy on Trump, didn't spy on We all know it's a lie, yet we're being told lies. We all know the lie that there was a problem in this last election, that there was election fraud. Maybe not voter fraud in mass amount, but there was election fraud. There's things set up to get ballots so they're not confirmed, not checked, ballot harvesting, uh, dead people voting. That's not made up. That's factual. But just because you can't get a court of law to see a case or hear a case because of the deep state, you think it's not true. We're told things all the time. We're, called, we're put a vaccine in our arm. That's not a vaccine at all. And, and we're told to follow the science. And yet we all know there's only two genders. We all know that life begins at conception. But yet we're not supposed to believe that stuff. We're supposed to believe now life begins uh, after a, a, a week after a baby's born if the mother wants to keep it. I mean, we got to realize what's going on, and we got to start with the programming. And so many people believe I am not worthy, and they've attached it to their identity. See, you've heard the phrase, an apple doesn't fall far from the tree. It's about begatting. We don't have to be what our parents were. You're not your parents. And I don't care what you've done up until now. You can scratch that CD. You can break that LP. And, men, we got to step up. You got this guy, Nick Cannon, who's one of the most racist people who thinks that white people are evil naturally because they're lacking melatonin, uh, uh, right? I mean, isn't that crazy? He has 12 kids. Three people, I think three women, maybe two, are pregnant with kids at the same time. He has all these girls that he just has sex with and spits up baby, and he thinks it's great. Not married to any of them. But there again, so Nick Cannon is giving a great example of what, what a man's supposed to be like. Or how about all this gangster rap when it's all bling and uh, booty shaking up and down and cool cars with women with their boobs hanging out and their butt cheeks hanging out and they're gyrating all over the place, making sexual movements. And people think, wow, this is the big time. Man, if I could just have people look at me, if I could just have enough bling, if I could just have enough uh, you know, guns, if I could just have enough swear words. You see, it's about the example we're setting. And ladies and gentlemen, that is leadership. Leadership's a loop. It's permission, it's example, it's culture. And men, young men, I don't care what type of way you were brought up. I don't care what your childhood was like. What if you gave your kids uh, the man that you wanted to have as a child? See, it's not about not being like your dad. It's about figuring out who you want to be. What are those traits? What are those values? What are those qualities? Because remember, we have a stem in our brain called the reticular activating system. It's the unconscious focal point of the unconscious mind. And it does not affirm. So when you focus on what you don't want, you actually move in that direction. It's kind of like backing up a vehicle. And if you don't want to hit a tree, you don't want to hit a table, you must keep it in your field of vision at all times. And you actually move to what you say you don't want. So ladies and gentlemen, the key is figure out what do you want? How do you want to be remembered? What type of parent do you want to be? What type of spouse do you want to be? What type of human being do you want to be? When it's all said and done, it's all written on the walls. What do you want said about you? You got to begin with the end in mind. Go to likeitmatters.net. Let me help you become the man or woman that you want to be. Listen to this daily radio show so you can move beyond the past and create a brand new future. You are under construction on the Like It Matters radio network. I am Mr. Black, helping you become more hopeful about your future, reminding you, when you live your life like it matters, it does. You have been listening to Mr. Black. 
Master Trainer for Like It Matters. Please find us on Facebook by searching LIM Radio. Make sure to follow us, like our posts, and share with others. Also, search YouTube for Like It Matters. Be sure to like and subscribe to our channel. And for more information on how we can help you live life like it matters, go to likeitmatters.net where you can find more information on our transformational training, our life coaching, counseling, our radio show, and other ways we help you continue the journey of living life like it matters.